You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. No, often, but when my family comes to church, because our kids are a little bit rowdy sometimes, we, we like to sit in the overflow room, and I like to refer to it as Baby Island, because that's, that's, that tends to be where the babies go, and that's okay. So we like it over there. We, uh, we get to you know, throw crayons everywhere and do all kinds of weird, and then I, I can only imagine, honestly, like, what it's like cleaning up after a service, and my kids have done who knows what over there. So I apologize to whoever is in charge of that. So, Well, I... Um, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to, to share this morning, um, so thank you for, for that. Uh, there is a, a dear, dear friend of mine, he goes by the name of Lassa, one of the more unique names you may ever hear. If you uh, would translate Lassa into English, it would be Lawrence, so every now and again I will call him Lawrence just for kicks. Uh, but Lassa uh, was a buddy of mine I met in college, uh, and he is originally uh, from the nation of Denmark, that's where he was born, spent the, the bulk of his life um, in the United States, but um, he's got kind of a, a more unique story, and last night we've been, we've been great friends for quite a long time. And when we were in college, uh, we'd like just just do all kinds of fun stuff together. We board games were a big bonding thing for a lot of my buddies back then. And last night I would play a lot of games together. And one of our favorite games to play, especially this is a great game to play in college because you have no real responsibilities, is we would play a lot of Risk. So hands up if you ever play Risk. This is your game. Hands up if you have no idea what that is. All right. All right, a few of you, that's okay. So if you've never played Risk, Risk is a game of global domination. Um, you are basically setting up armies all over the world, and your goal is to crush everybody else and take over the entire world. So super godly. Um, so last night, we, we would play a lot of Risk. And, uh, and the way, of course, it works is you've, get, you've got all, these, all the countries of the world, all the continents, all divided out. Some of the countries that exist are actually, you know, Real, like Brazil, for example. Some of them are kind of iffy, um, like Eastern United States and Western United States. Like that's not how we, not how we function. But uh, so there is, so it's not, it's not one to one. Um, so in Europe, on a risk board, you have you have Great Britain, you have Southern Europe, you have Central Europe, you have Scandinavia, you have Northern Europe, and I think Ukraine is in there, and I think there might be one or two others. Uh, so we're getting ready to set up a game of risk one day. Lassa is playing with me, and Lassa sets up his armies to start the game in Northern Europe. And he says something along the lines of, I'm going to start in the motherland. And I go, Lassa, what are you talking about? Well, Denmark, that's the motherland. No, I, I, I know that, but that's Northern Europe. That's not where Denmark is. Denmark's like right in the middle of Europe. That's like right in the center. Like, like I'm looking at Northern Europe, I'm seeing a peninsula. There's water all around that. That's not where Denmark is. Denmark is right in the center. And he's looking at me like, dude, I'm from there. I know where Denmark is. And I'm looking at him and I'm going, no, I know where it is. Denmark, and this is, this is the, the joke that has continued to reign in our friendship for over 15 years. I said, Denmark is a landlocked country. There's no way it's in Northern Europe. Now, I'm just curious, hands up if you are of Scandinavian descent, and you know exactly where Denmark is, and you're really offended that I would ever suggest that it is landlocked. But I was just adamant, no, it's landlocked. And he's looking at me like I'm a crazy person. Like, of course it's not landlocked. And there's like five other people in the room. They're all looking at me going, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. 
But I was insistent and I was adamant that I had it right. And we kind of go, go on and on and on. And eventually, somebody got out a globe or a map. And this, this is sadly pre-smartphone, so we couldn't just quickly Google it. Um, and I had to concede that Denmark, in fact, is not landlocked. There is plenty of water around. The Danes are doing great. They can, they can, they can, they can ride their boats. They're going to be OK. They can do some fishing. But that was such a, such a humbling moment for me having to, to admit defeat. If you know me well, you would know I love to argue. I, I never want to admit when I'm wrong. I love, a good, I love a good debate. It was a hard thing to swallow my pride and acknowledge that Den Denmark actually um, is surrounded by some water. I don't even honestly know at this point if it's a full peninsula or if there's just a little bit of coast. I really don't know. Um, feel free to educate me later. I'd be happy. Um, I'm geography, not my strong suit. But I sat there and just continued to have this argument over and over and over and over again, continuing to insist that I had it right, continuing to insist that I knew what I was talking about. Because I was convinced I was right. I, I, I'm not foolish enough to continue to argue a point that I know is wrong. But the reality of that, of that day for me was I didn't know what I didn't know. So I continued to insist my point of view, my perspective, because I had a very, very small uh, piece of information, which was basically, Denmark is in Europe. I know that. I knew very little beyond that. But I, I think as followers of Jesus, we, we are often, I think, at times guilty of trying to speak about spiritual matters, and we don't know what we don't know. And there are, there are large, big, complicated, and confusing, mysterious spiritual ideas and concepts in the scriptures that take a lot of study and a lot of care to really get it all kind of fleshed out or really figured out. And often we speak about things um, that we really think we know what we've got going on and we really miss the mark quite a bit. And, um, and we all do it. We're all guilty of it. And I think there's all kinds of areas where we, we could probably kind of, kind of th think of uh, when we do that. But I think one of the, the big ones um, is honestly, it's one of the, the major themes of the New Testament and really one of the central focuses of Jesus' ministry that I think is an area that I would look at and I would say, this is a spot that we very rarely really get what this is. And I don't know that it's people foolishly just spouting up things that are just ignorant, but more, we don't take a lot of time to really kind of flesh this out. And it's the idea, answering the question, what is the kingdom of God? It's a simple question, and I think if I asked anybody in this room, you'd probably have an answer for that question. If I went out on the street and I surveyed 500 people, what is the kingdom? Everybody could probably answer that question. And I think everybody would probably give you an answer that doesn't sound like the rantings of, a, of an international person. You'd go, okay, yeah, I could see that. I, could, I get where you're coming from. Doesn't mean they're right, but I kind of get it. And I imagine if I was going to ask that question to just, just any random smattering of people, what is the kingdom? I imagine some of the answers you might hear. You might hear something like, the kingdom of God is in heaven. And I would hear that and I would go, I could see where you're coming from on that. Somebody else might answer that question and say, well, the kingdom of God is the church. It's the believers in Jesus. And I would look at that and I would go, all right. I could see, I could see where you're coming from that one. And someone else might go, well, the kingdom of God, when I think of that, I think of, I think of, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And they're, they're having a party and there's angels and they're playing harps and they're blowing trumpets and they're having like a dance party and it's clouds and it's fluffy and it's all warm and great. And I go... You're, you're getting a little bit out there, but I, I kind of see it. I can see it. Um, but, then the, the, but the kingdom, it, it, it is a complicated and confusing thing. And, I, and as, I, as I 
sat down to really put this message together, and I thought, man, like this could be like an eight-part series. And even now, we'd still just be scratching the surface. So I don't, I'm not going to attempt to tackle the entire, uh, the entire topic today, because it's pretty meaty, and we just you know, don't have all that much time. But what I will say, in the New Testament, the kingdom is mentioned uh, a grand total of 170 times. No, excuse me, 160 times. Of those 160, 126 are, are in the Gospels. What that tells me is that this was a pretty central part of Jesus' ministry. And yet, here we are in 2018, and I think this is something we would all look at it and say, yeah, this is kind of a confusing and complicated thing. But Jesus spent so much time here, and we maybe really struggle to articulate that. And I go, man, that's not good. We should really kind of flesh that out a little bit. So we'll, we'll, I'll do my best to kind of begin to unpack this, knowing that we're just going to start this. And I think my hope today would be to just kind of prime that pump for you and in your own personal study, take that next step, because we, we, we can't get all, all the way there today. So I'll, I, will, I will leave you today with, with, with two ideas when I, when I think of what is the kingdom. The first one would be that when Jesus came into this world, Jesus' central mission is bringing um, the kingdom of God from heaven to earth. When we talk about what is the kingdom, really what we're talking about, we're not talking about a place. We're not talking about a group. What we are talking about is God's reign and God's rule over his creation. We are talking about the all-powerful creator of the universe who wants to love and rule and reign over those that he created in his image. Psalm 103 verse 19 says that the Lord established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. We are talking about um, more of a concept, more of a broad idea than we are talking about a physical place. In a, in a physical group of people. So we rewind all the way back to the fall of man. And we see Adam and Eve, of course, um, they, 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 sin, they, they sin in the garden. We are now separated from God. And now we have this big gulf in between us and the Lord. And God, of course, says, no, we need to fix this. We need to make this right. I want humanity reconciled back to me. And so he says, in his power, I'm going to send my son into this world. He's going to die for their sins. So Jesus chooses to come into this world to live as a man, to pay the price for our penalty, uh, pay the penalty for our sin, to pay that price for us so that we could be reconciled back to God, which in, the, in a sense is heaven coming to earth. It is the kingdom coming from heaven and invading earth. And there's, there's so many kind of players in this, and I think one of the, the major ones that we, we often forget about, uh, in reality is really one of the heroes of the New Testament, is John the Baptist. That John's ministry... His, was to be the prophet who would usher in the coming Messiah. In Matthew chapter 3, in those days, beginning in verse 1, in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Down to verse 11, John continues and he says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. John had a pretty impressive pipeline to the Father, I, I, I think. He understood very, very, very much what his role was in God's grander plan. And he understood not only, one, that Jesus was the Messiah, but he understood my responsibility 
is to prepare the way, to get people focused on the fact that the kingdom is coming, that God is working, that God is moving. And they've got to start preparing their hearts because it's coming next and it's coming soon and it's coming quickly. And so this coming kingdom that, that Jesus comes to, comes to set up, it's a pretty big deal. But of course, in first century uh, Israel, we've got a, we've got a, a bit of a, a, a conception problem of what that actually is, what that actually looks like. We've got a group of, of, of people that are looking for the Messiah. They're looking for the kingdom to come. And they hear John say this stuff. And they hear Jesus preach. And they go, yes, the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is near. Hallelujah. This is fantastic. This is great. He's going to set up his, his kingdom in Jerusalem. He's going to overthrow the Romans. It's happening. And Jesus is going, nope. That's, that's not the plan, guys. I mean, I love the enthusiasm. I love where, you're, where your head is at. But that's not what we're trying to do. And so over and over and over again, we've, we've got this, this misconception of who the Messiah is going to be, what exactly the plans of God are going to be. And Jesus, you see it time and time again throughout the Gospels. There are often times he will, he will perform miracles. He will heal somebody. Tell nobody. There are those times when he's getting really popular. The crowds are getting excited. They want to make him a king. And he disappears into the, into the crowd. Because he understands the grander vision. He understands that his kingdom is not of this earth. And it's, it's made pretty plain in John chapter 18 when Jesus is at his, his trial before Pilate. Um, in John 18, beginning in verse 33, Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus is endowed with all the power of God, has the power, if he chose, to set up that earthly kingdom that so many in that day and age assumed would happen. But he understands the grander vision. He understands God's bigger purpose. He understands that heaven, that the kingdom of God leaving heaven and invading earth is about God sending his son to pay that penalty for us. And Jesus, of course, understands this. And Jesus not only gets it, Jesus chooses to submit to that will. And he chooses to submit to that plan. And he chooses to, to not get stuck in that tunnel vision of that moment. And especially in a time like this where he is in that battle for his physical life, being tormented and tortured and mocked and beaten and being ready to be crucified. If there was ever a moment where Jesus could have said all the things that were going to get him off the hook in that space, this was it. And he continues to stay focused on what the Father has called him to do and what the Father has called him to be and does not deviate from what the kingdom is and what the kingdom is not. He has deep clarity on that, that his kingdom is not of this world, which brings me to number two. The kingdom, in fact, is not of this world. John 14, beginning in verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, 
What I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. This is not the language of somebody who's trying to build a kingdom right here and right now. Jesus knows that time is coming soon, that I'm going to leave this world. I'm going to be heading back to, to, to the heavens and communing with my Father. And while we're there, we're going to prepare the place for you. We're going to be, be, we're going to be setting the stage so that you can join us, so that you can rule and reign with us. But don't worry, because of course we're going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to guide you and lead you into all truth. And I, and I, I love this reality. And I think as, as a follower of Jesus, we all kind of look at this. And we go, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm tracking with you. I get it. And we believe that and we embrace that. And hopefully that excites you a little bit. Hopefully. But I, I, I question, honestly, as followers of Jesus, how much we truly live this belief out. Because I think we all know it in our heads. And we all know it to be true. But our actions, I think, very rarely reflect this reality. And what I mean by that is I, I often look at the world around me. And I look at a culture that in so many ways I look at and I go, we are, we are dying, we are, we are struggling, there, there is so much godlessness, there's so much evil, there's so much depravity, there are so many people who have walked away from Jesus, there's so much bad things happening, and, and, I, and I get stuck in my, in my time and in my space of August 19th, 2018 in Mason City, Iowa, and this is, this is where I am, and this is what's happening here in my, in my context, and I can feel often what is happening in, in, our, in our culture in, in 21st century America oftentimes can feel so depressing and can feel so defeating. It can feel like, like the kingdom is losing. And it can feel like the church is dying at times. And we, we hem and haw over cultural battles and we hem and haw over, over people who just don't care about the gospel. And we, we stress over this, but what does Jesus say? John 16, in this world you will have trouble. But fear not because I have overcome the world. We spend so much of our time focusing on here and now and what is happening right in our little time in, in space. When in the reality the kingdom is advancing, the kingdom is growing. People are hearing the gospel all over the world. And that has been true for 2,000 years. And that will continue to be true until the day that Jesus comes. And we can easily get so focused on the here and the now and look at what's happening in our present circumstances in fear that God will not be glorified here. And we fear that the gospel will not be preached here. But Jesus isn't concerned about here. The kingdom is not here. The kingdom was never supposed to be here. The kingdom is to come. Our hope is to come. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4-4. The God of this age, Satan, this is his playground. We are citizens of heaven. Our hope is to come. We are part of a bigger kingdom. We are part of a bigger plan. We are part of something bigger and grander and more exciting and more incredible and hope-filled and loving and full of joy and peace and power than we could ever even imagine. And it's so easy to lose sight of that because our present circumstances don't always reflect that. We have all, I think, experienced at different points deep, deep intimacy with God. 
And every one of us, I, I, I bet if I asked you the question, tell me about that time that you felt God's presence in the most incredible and powerful way. We've all probably got a story like that of a moment, of a prayer, of a worship time, of a time sharing our faith, of a time serving, whatever it might be. That is a drop in an ocean of what is yet to come. Here's the hope that God has for us. I'm going to close with this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. This is the hope that we have in Christ. This is what God promises by being a citizen of heaven. This is the kingdom of heaven coming to earth, invading our lives, and Jesus choosing to die for our sins, to pay that penalty for us, so that we can take this reality that is coming and embrace this and accept the fact that this is going to come and we will experience the presence of the Lord in a way that we could never even process or imagine here on earth. I can't even begin to imagine what this day will be like. So there's a day coming. We have hope. So this morning, you may be here today feeling deeply connected to the Father. You may be here today feeling distant or somewhere in between. No matter what that relationship with, like, with, with Jesus is like for you today, know that hope is the coming. Know that there is life and life to the full. Know that what you're experiencing today pales in comparison to the hope that is to come. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for heaven invading earth. We thank you that the kingdom is here, that the kingdom is advancing, that the kingdom is flourishing, that the gospel continues to be preached, that we continue to find life and hope and joy in you. And as we continue down that end, God, I ask that we would always keep our eyes on that prize and look forward to the day when we get to be with you in glory. And may we always be willing to share that hope with those around us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.